Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the end of a strange road trip, Marcus Thompson. This is a Warriors All-82 podcast off the one game on this four-day, two-city road trip in the snowy mountains. It's like eight degrees outside in Salt Lake. It was a snowstorm in Denver, but at least the Warriors played a game. The Sounds only game. beautiful. Is it, is it pretty out there? The flight into Salt Lake, I flew in the same day as the game. The flight in today, um, when you open the window, like the last, you know, whatever, 20 minutes, where it was these like, Beautiful snowy mountains. It is very pretty. Now, it's also freezing when you go outside, and I almost, you know, ate it and walked into my hotel back from the game because there's, like, you know, that black ice that, that's, like, on the ground. Can't touch what I never touched before, seen what I've never seen before, woke up and seen the sun, sky. Oh, you don't know black ice, Giddy Bob? My bad. Sorry. Anyway, no, I'm just, I was letting you go. I was letting you go. Um, it was just, it was a weird road trip. Um, especially with the Denver situation. I mean, spent three days in Denver. They had two practices in Denver, zero games. Um, but, you know, and I, I wrote about it on the site. Like, the most important thing that happened on the road trip, it wouldn't have happened if this Denver game didn't get canceled. But Clay Thompson gets a full scrimmage in with the starters. You know, he was never going to be able to scrimmage with Steph and Wiggins and Iguodal and all these guys normally during a normal regular season. He Like, the first time he would have got on the court with them would have been his return night. According to him, and we talked to him uh, after one of the practices in Denver, like that was a milestone for him. He like him doing that. He felt like it was a breakthrough moment in like this late stage of his rehab. I just thought that was interesting. And that to me was better than the than playing the game, <laughs> right? Because I've always felt like just based on Steve Kerr's track record that he was going to want Clay to play with. You know the team, like get a practice in with them, with 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 the actual team, and because you know he hadn't been able to do that for a long time, that's probably going to be even more important. I, I, the only actual opportunity I even saw for that to happen really was like the the game before. What is it that that the eighth, I guess, or you know, they got three days off. Yeah, yeah. So, so they play the fifth and sixth in Dallas and New Orleans, and then they have the seventh. Take the off, seventh obviously. off, and then they'll probably practice the eighth. That to me, that's what I was looking at as the day. But Clay will get to practice with the team for sure. But 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 even you know on that, like on on planned off days, like you don't want Steph Curry to play a twelve minute scrimmage. You don't want Andre Iguodala, who is part of this play scrimmage, to play a scrimmage. They don't even want Andre Iguodala playing games half the time, you know, actual games. So, like, even if he might have gotten, like, some type of game reps where maybe Steph was, like, jumping in a rep or two, like, the only reason he was able to get a scrimmage in a 12-minute full scrimmage is because Steph Curry and Andrew Wiggins and Andre Iguodala went into that day 
which was Thursday in Denver. Preparing Men- for a game. Mentally yeah. and physically preparing for a game. They didn't know they weren't playing until I think it was like 2.30 or 3 p.m. local time, which, you know, there there was a little bit of unhappiness about how that entire situation went down. And I don't think they love that they're going to have to figure out a way to get back to Denver at some point and, you know, pack in probably a back-to-back somewhere. But that's the only way he gets this type of setting, which is legitimately like they played – a, a quarter of basketball and he was with the starters and apparently he, Steph said he shot 17 he counted 17 Clay Thompson shots in 12 minutes and he made he half he said better than 50 percent I don't know so I, you know Steph like I'm like yeah kind of diplomatic answer do we really believe that because Clay said I don't know he's got he, a he's got a photographic memory though so maybe he does it was pretty specific he's like I counted 17 I'm like, I was like estimate or like you straight up are you a box score um, but <laughs> he is Clay, yeah, Clay said he like shot was short early, breath was short. They're in the Denver altitude. That was another thing. I think they enjoyed that part of it. Um, but you know, Iguodala, so is it enough for him to play Monday against Miami? I do not believe he's going to be greenlit for that game. Uh, I think we'll know soon. That's you know the indications behind the scenes where that that was like extremely unlikely i would still view it as unlikely i mean keep your antennas up sunday um because you know the news would have to come out i mean they'd have to deem him in or out basically he tomorrow. said he said they'd tell him the day before right so and then he, he said he, and then he said a few days before i think the bigger thing to me is like i assume they want like to to really pump it up and like give it a, a much grander uh, you know, announcement than like, you know, 18 hours before tip, like, hey, uh, Clay Thompson's now been upgraded to probable for tomorrow's game. Uh, you know, I mean, we'll see. Again, I like signs have been pointing more towards the nine, but he does but I do like. Think, I do think it was good for them, for him to go hard in that type of setting, you know, which I imagine was more intense, you know, than what he went through in the G League, but just another level and then see how he responds to it. Like, to me, that's – if I'm trying to get into Rick Celebrini's head, who's essentially the decider on this, it's okay. Every level you get pushed, and then we see how your body responds. So they're getting this added advantage to be able to do that. So now the next time you figure he can push – you know, whatever that is, whether that's the eighth, whether he goes on the road and then tries to get some other stuff in, they'll, they're just building up essentially data to see how he responds. Because the truth is, they won't be able to simulate what will happen when he actually takes the court, especially just from a, an adrenaline perspective. But you know, I, the 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 more they can find out, the the closer they can get to being comfortable with it, the better. And to me watching like watching the highlights of him playing with them it made me think all right even if he can't come back sooner this is this is what helps him get him get back on the court because now they can feel more comfortable about him going harder uh and then you hear you have steve kerr talking about he's gonna start which you know which means he's gonna play at least 25 minutes right so it's not it's not gonna be a 10 12 minute situation they so they said really it might be it. be sure yeah, I mean they're saying eighteen seems to be the number, he's but twenty five. Watch, he's gonna 25. be hype. He's gonna be hype on adrenaline. Oh. 
There's gonna yeah, be so, a part. So Rick, I imagine there's gonna be a part where he ain't gonna want to come out the game. <laughs> so Rick Celebrini taps Steve Kerr on the shoulder and goes, "That's a four and a half minutes in this first. Steve, we 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 uh, agreed to not go more than five. Um, but I mean, you're probably right. Uh, the one of the quotes that that are you know sound bites that Clay had when we were talking to him the other day was um, how he's very grateful for this like deep team that they've built in his absence that he's basically coming back to this soft landing spot where he doesn't feel this like heavy offensive burden and you know as we shift to like we should probably talk about the fact that they did end up going one and oh on this weird road trip and they beat utah in utah with you know donovan mitchell played rudy gobert played mike conley played i mean that was like a pretty full utah team um besides hassan Whiteside, i must mention um, I, li- I like that amendment you made from the from the tweet the controversial tweet that said utah was what was it fully stacked or fully stocked fully stocked yeah so way the amended for the the powerhouse big man that is hassan Whiteside, who would have changed the whole tenor of the game i'm sure but in general i mean this is like jordan Poole goes back back to the bench side first of all he returns after his first game back at, you know because he was in protocols and um i you know they're they're readying jordan Poole for his bench role pretty clearly um and in draymond green's absence Otto porter starts at the four and uh, in clay's absence we'll say at this point because we're talking about clay reintegrating you with gary payton at the two he's been payton's been great right Otto porter again tonight we were there in phoenix when he has uh you know the four jumpers to seal it Tonight he has like a twenty-eight and seven, like Draymond type line, three steals. I thought he had two great assists to, to help. A couple close it out. big mid ranges too. A clutch. He loves the mid range. Yeah. He loves the mid range. Um, he's getting to it more. He's shooting it more. Uh, but okay, so like Draymond Green probably back uh, Monday against the Heat. Sounds like he, they, they expect him to exit protocol soon. They're optimistic. I mean, it's not for sure, but we'll see. But regardless, Draymond obviously coming back soon. Clay, we're, we're adding back into this mix, this deep mix he's talking about. That bumps Peyton and Porter to the bench with the way they're playing. We're having Poole is now on the bench. That's eight. Like, re- that's a really good top eight right now. And then, you know, that's not even mentioning some of the other, you know, different bench pieces who have all had moments this season. Man, it's going to be tough for Steve to juggle this, right? Like, I mean, you you just already know, you know, some guys are just going to be out. Like, that's just the way it is. Some guys are going to be out, and Steve might, you know, find moments to get them back in. But it's going to be it's gonna be because Steve set that time aside, right? Like, I don't know. I mean, the way Gary Payton is playing and the way he's shooting the three, it doesn't really doesn't seem to bode too well for Damian Lee. Uh, especially with Andre Iguodala essentially acting as the backup point guard. JTA seems to be on the eye. Man, out the interesting one to me is where do they play Bielitsa? And maybe he holds on, you know, as the as the backup center essentially. But until until Wiseman comes until yeah yeah that's what I'm saying until Wiseman comes back. Like, even Jonathan Kaminga might get squeezed a bit, even though he should probably be playing more and he's starting to play more. Like, their depth is kind of crazy. But, yeah, some of these guys are just going to have to get used to DNPs and inactivities because 
Like it's just it's just too much. It's a lot, man. It's a lot. The, the crazy part is they are deep and top heavy, which is kind of a an odd, you know, like position an odd duality, right? They they've got an MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, and a Hall of Famer at the top of their roster, <laughs> but also the back end is kind of stocked too. So uh, that that usually doesn't happen. But Otto Porter and Gary Payton essentially have proven themselves as regulars. And maybe there'll be stretches where Steve is like, all right, I'm going to give these guys another shot. Y'all, y'all chill a bit. But we've just seen them. And the reason is they play, they play defense and they make shots. And that kind that is kind of what matters. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how the season plays out, but I don't know. How, how does Otto Porter not in a rotation come playoff time? How do you sit Gary Payton? I just don't know how you can do that. Yeah. Like a, like maybe a Peyton like really cold stretch from three would start to like limit his minutes some, but like the the, the idea of Peyton in the rotation when he won the rotation job was when there was no belief in his three point shot. Like he he won it even without his three point shot, and then now suddenly I think he's what like forty two, forty three percent from three. It's still pretty low volume, but you know he's throwing a few up every game. And he's hitting one every game. He's hit eight out of the last nine games. He's hit a three. Uh, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, two tonight, big ones. But that's um, like icing, though. Like he's there because of yeah. how he defends. Uh, I mean, you look tonight. You got him and Wiggins, essentially putting the clamps on Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley Jr. Like they never, they never really got rolling <laughs> like that. That was that's Gary Payton and, and Andrew Wiggins. If you could throw that at a team you do that you especially do that in a playoff setting and i don't know i just don't know how you get those guys off and then obviously Otto porter you know what's interesting about him is his passing and his playmaking like tonight we saw eight assists yeah tonight we saw like that bit that steph three where he relocated and that was Otto porter making that read i uh, asked porter uh, about that post game and i, I feel like i Asked in a kind of like fumbly way, but I was trying to like relate it to the play that remember you were talking to. I think it was Steph about post game and the Denver loss where when he didn't get it back, yeah, yeah. he didn't get it back. It was a different kind of play, it was like Porter was more rumbling down the lane and he got it. It was transition, yeah, it wasn't like a set thing, yeah, it it wasn't. But I, you know, I was kind of trying to get him to like relate the two plays and like maybe he learned this lesson a bit, but uh, he did, you know, once again, I think this is the second straight podcast post game podcast we've talked about he's not a super open quote he's, he's not gonna detail it too much man he, you tried to get him to set your story up but he didn't do it for you no no man. and then i was like i'm just worried about clay but um the funny thing is you just get iguodala going on porter iguodala loves Hunter porter um and i i asked him about him tonight he went on for two minutes he started go, going into like his washington days and maybe like the misuse of him there and he even go went back to Otto porter's big contract where whatever what did he sign? Like twenty four million a year, basically, like a near max at the time. Yeah, it was definitely over hundred, right? Yeah, and he was like, that was a fine contract at the time. It just looked like that changed his reputation because of like the misuse, and then he got. Yeah, anyway, I mean, you you can go find the quote. The Warriors, oh. the Warriors, like well, specifically Iguodala and and Draymond, they love that whole. To essentially indict the other organizations yeah. and indict the league for mismanagement. That's that's one of their tried and true talking points. Remember, remember it was Marquise Chris before. Like 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> they they love those guys who was like that's they're thriving here because the rest of y'all don't know what y'all doing essentially. Wiggins too in a sense. Yeah, Andre they'll do it, we'll do it more subtly. Like Draymond, I remember with the Marquise Chris one was like very directly ripping the Suns. Which oh uh, yeah, the same. I think there's some he, Robert he, Sarver. Uh, he also got fined for saying. Uh, yeah. uh, Devin Booker had to get up out of there. They just love that talking point, and I, I don't. I think because other people you know in the organization do too. <laughs> well, yeah, it's their way of like they're not directly complimenting themselves, but like you're, you can read within that. Like we're light years ahead, right? It's the whole light years thing. It's it's really what annoys a lot of the league about the Warriors is like the, their belief that like. You know, culture, right? You know, put Andrew Wiggins here. Now he's all star Andrew Wiggins, which, by the way, can we can get into that storyline. Oh, yes. They, they, are, they, are, they are really about. <laughs> they go hard, huh? So, Clay, the other day, when we were talking to him, Clay brings up Andrew Wiggins out of nowhere. And he's like, Andrew Wiggins is an all star. He's an all star. Curd uh, tonight, pregame, says he thinks Wiggins is all star. And then Steph, unprompted again tonight says number 22 should be in cleveland wiggins gets asked about all that love he's getting in like it clearly means a lot to him so i think that part of it like they see they really want andrew wiggins to get rewarded because i think they believe like if andrew wiggins gets rewarded he will continue to play this way on a consistent basis but what do you think about this i they're really pumping this andrew wiggins all-star campaign i mean i i do think it's a bit of like let's keep him in the program right let's you know, let, let's encourage him. I mean, I don't remember them doing this about anything else really, right? But uh, <laughs> it just, this is, you know, they, they tend to go on these campaigns, but I do think it's more about, I mean, look, they probably believe he's an all-star, but I do think they want to say it publicly to make sure Wiggins knows he's supported. I actually think this even goes back to, you know, the the preseason and how Wiggins was kind of a villain you know, because of his stance and, you know, how they had to kind of rally behind him. He's just a guy they want to support, right? They know him better than anybody, you know. I I do believe some of that is there. But, you know, there is a case to be made, and that's that's the unique part to me. You could actually actually make an argument, especially like the way Portland has fallen apart and the way Damian Lillard hasn't played that well. I mean, I mean yeah. even like the Lakers, you know, they're not you know, bubbling over with all stars. Yeah, I'd have to look at the field, and I honestly have just not allowed my brain to go there. I definitely don't want to be sitting here like. Hold on, you not tapped into the to to the NBA voting? You not you not? You, come on, man, what's going on? I just mean I'd have to like really kind of like <laughs> dig in because you know he'd be he'd be fighting for spots like 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. You know, like there's a, it goes up to twelve, and he's probably right in that range if he's really in this conversation. Which I'm not even. I don't know if, if he is. I'd have to like really dig into other people's seasons. I mean, the winning is really that's going to be the argument for them, right? It's just that like they're the best team in the West again. They just beat the two other best teams in the West, so they're sitting at the one seed again, and you're going to get Stefan in. You're going to get Draymond in. And their belief will be like, give the number one seed a third. We'll see. Maybe he gets it. But again, I'm not sitting here saying no or yes to it. I I just think it's interesting the way they're going about it. I agree. Um, yeah, you know, I, I they like Wiggins, man. I think this is a way of showing they like Wiggins. He has been really good, especially on both ends of the court. 
And it again, I, I I do think it fits in what you were saying before about it's kind of also them touting themselves, right? Like we turned Wiggins into an all star. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he did that with us. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Draymond Green oh. will love to just wax poetic about that at some point, and he will. Right? I, I think Steph, too. Like, hey, man, you put, you put these guys next to me. They they become something. Uh, but, you know, is Wiggins an all-star, though? I mean, that's that's kind of a legit question at this point based on, you know, what we've seen and what's going on in the league. Is Wiggins an all-star? I don't uh, – I think he might be. I mean, there's like definitely every year, like the, you know, the spots that we're talking about, which are 10, 11, 12, usually there's like two to three injury replacements. So we're really talking about you're going down in each conference, players 13, 14, 15. You know, you're going to get your Demonis to bonuses. D'Angelo Russell made it one year. Again, I'm more talking East, although East is a little bit deeper than it's been um, the, the West lately. And sure, you know, maybe at 18 a game. He does have a two-way impact. He's on the best team in the conference. They have the number one defense, and he is like the the, the best wing in that defense. Um, you know, from a defensive perspective, uh, sure, he probably has like like a small case to be the back end all star. Whatever. I, I it's 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 crazy to me that, that it's gotten to this point, but you know, good for him. Um, <laughs> I we a month away, so it's time to this is the time to talk about it. Uh, how do you think this is a uh, do you think this is, I guess, nah, it ain't, this ain't one of their ways of getting out of it, right? Like, it's stuff like, yo, get this dude my spot. <laughs> I don't want to go back to Cleveland. Oh, that's what you're saying? No, no, no. no. I thought you said, is this a way to, like, get off his contract? Like, you know, you get him an all-star game and suddenly you can space him out to the league. Um, if that's no. the case, that's why they don't want him to make all-star, no, right? So so Steph's going to have to go because Steph's just going to have to go. And I think yeah, he knows that Draymond is – I think Draymond will willingly – Draymond definitely wants to go. Yes, he wants to announce himself back like, you know, I am an all-star. How did you all ever doubt me? Because he hasn't been in like, what, four seasons probably? Because even like the late Durant years, I don't think he made it that last year. He went Durant. 17, right? Then they put four in that year? But I don't yeah. think he made 18 or 19. So 2021. So yeah, he hasn't made it four years. Um, so yeah, he's going to want to go. They're going to want to drag Wiggins to just make it more of like a weekend thing. And then the, I would say the warrior person slash, you know, part of the warriors that doesn't want to go would be the coaching staff. The coaching staff has to go if they have the best record in the league. And they currently do. And that's usually the one that they're like, Oh, you know, they kind of moan about it. Steve definitely don't want to go. That's for sure. Uh, I think some of the coaches might want to go. Yeah. They first they got to get out of protocols. They still got four guys, four coaches out tonight. No Atkinson, no Mike Brown, no Chris DeMarco, no Dehan Milojevic tonight. So Draymond, um, all-star 16, 17, and 18. Okay, so he did make it 18. So he did 19, 20, 21. So this would be 
three-year drought um anything else in the game tonight i mean like the matchup is like very relevant uh, i, I know, do think this is uh these these wins are are vital and more than the record you know what i'm saying like they, they did the same thing to utah that they did to phoenix they went in there shorthanded and beat them and it's it's just a win whatever but that stuff matters when it comes playoff time. Like, it matters. If there's a team that's got to make an adjustment, it's Utah. Same with Phoenix. Uh, it, 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 especially when you got guys like Jordan Poole and Gary Payton, who, who haven't been there before, Andrew Wiggins, to know you can go in there and beat that team with Clay still sitting on the sideline. And Draymond Protocol. Draymond Protocol, yeah. that's And, and then you start factoring in the 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 past right where you got you know maybe it's new for phoenix but utah's been down this road before right like this that had to feel like again you know they had they had two years where they were clearly ahead of the warriors and you know it felt like that kind of era of warriors dominance was over that's got to be some type of ptsd <laughs> for the jazz it's like are you serious like again you know, they don't want to see this team in the playoffs. I do think those little psychological, uh, you know, little wars they play actually matter. I, I think it's important. I remember when it worked the other way against Memphis when the Warriors, it, it just, you could tell they did, they weren't sure if they could win in Memphis and they ended up winning, but they had to like really figure it out. But they got down 2 1 and it was like they didn't know if they could win there. So, for the Warriors to be able to win in these places without their best game or without their full roster is one of those like it's a message, it's a statement game. Uh, they they're five and one against the top teams. They're you know nine and five against uh, the the winning teams in the league, and and but four of those wins are on the road. So they've they've been able to go into the opposing city and win on the road against uh, what is quote-unquote a good team. So they're building up some psychological currency that will matter when they go into the playoffs, especially because they have so many players who just haven't been through this, uh, and they still don't have clay, which certainly makes you uh, that much more confident when you step into an arena knowing you got Mr. Game 6 himself. Yeah, as far as like the you know, game itself, the tactical nature of it. Like, I thought Gobert was actually really good. He killed him on the glass. Plus I don't know 10, he, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what he finished with. He had, at one point, he had at least 18 rebounds, six on the offensive glass. Uh, so much bigger than Looney. And then, like, when Bielitz, Looney fouls out, Bielitz has got to be out there. Again, it's another matchup where if they can just, like, get James Wiseman to any type of capable level, he will help. Um, Dre, no Draymond on there you know hurts on the glass and it's you know the Warriors have been a really good defensive rebounding team this season they weren't tonight like that's where you saw some of the the concern uh Utah is a very streaky I mean, they three point them. yeah um they just no, got they beat didn't, no. they got they yeah, no, they them defensive rebounds they got <laughs> yeah, 45 they got, to 40 it's pretty good um they just you know Gobert's going to be tough to keep off the glass uh, Jeez, you know Utah's 15 just, offensive rebounds how many oh, Gobert man. have Gobert offensive rebounds seven. Yeah, I mean, and big ones too. 
he's just and you know he was he he was good defensively too. I he's I think it's been a little bit overrated. Like you know this idea of like he'll be played off the floor in a small series. Now there's going to be some tough situations for him in a warrior series but it's clear like the the jazz were purposely every time steph came back on the floor they were purposely getting gobert back in the game they were mirroring his minutes uh which tells you plenty uh and i just thought he was pretty good i just thought that was kind of a notable moment and then utah they're this like very high volume three-point shooting team where in the first half i think they went something like 421 if they're cold you're gonna get a big on them but boom out of the third quarter they go 28 10 to open the third quarter because they get hot again and they shoot a bunch of them. They have a bunch of capable shooters. And it's like, you know, now and that's tended to not work as good in the playoffs as it has for them in the regular season. But they are a team that if, you know, if, if they get hot in a series, they're going to be really hard to defend. To me, yeah, I, I think I think Gobert is a good player. And I think he's really he was really effective, especially against Looney and uh, Bielitsa. But I mean, the proof is in the pudding. Like when they got high from three, it was when they really were the problem. And every other quarter, it's just a tough way to play getting them twos. I I thought the big difference was what they did with Donovan Mitchell. But what really showed up, and if you just presume, like okay, Gobert's good, Steph is good, right? These dudes are good. The difference really was the bench and the depth. Because I mean, if you look at Donovan Mitchell, they were running Wiggins at him. They were running GP2 at him. Then they came and put Jonathan Kaminga on him. And then when Kaminga left the game, they put Andre Iguodala on him. And they just ran four dudes at Donovan Mitchell, as Wiggins called him, the head of the snake. Like, it don't matter how good Gobert is. He ain't beating the Warriors by himself. And that, to me, was a was a, was a, was a flex of the Warriors' depth. The, the, success that, uh, uh, the success that the Jazz had was when uh, what's his name? Clarkson got hot, and essentially, whenever they were going at Bielitsa, <laughs> and the, but the fact that they could kind of flip that though, right? They can kind of say, "All right, we're gonna take these guys out, and we're gonna do this." And they had options. I mean, Kaminga was on uh, Clarkson, right? And then Clarkson, Kaminga comes out, Clarkson gets five straight, and he's just rolling. I just feel like when you looked at when you looked at Utah, like where were they turning? I mean, Rudy Gay, Jordan Clarkson, and Joe Ingles was, was all they even played off the bench. Rudy Gay was minus nineteen. Clarkson was good. He he, he was twenty. Yeah, twenty. But you know, he kind of gives half of it back on defense at least. And Joe Ingles was one for seven, and really hasn't looked like. Remember last year, he was like basically could have won six man. Uh, if you, if you just kind of looked at just the numbers and and you know. Clarkson had this really hot start, but Joe hasn't been that. But if 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 they're banking on any of those three guys to beat the Warriors, it just it just isn't happening, and that's the problem. It doesn't even matter. Gobert could Gobert almost got twenty and twenty. He was plus ten, but it it kind of didn't matter in a sense. Like they they just needed somebody else. But the Warriors have so many guys to run at guys, and again, we're talking about they did not have Draymond. They did not have uh, Clay Thompson, and to me, like that was the flex tonight. Was that they could they could kind of 
They had an answer for Donovan Mitchell. They had one for Mike Conley. And the rest of them dudes, they just lived with. And like you said, they were 14 for 44. They took 44 threes, and, and they made 14 of them. But they just got hot for one quarter, and the rest of the quarters, like, they got they got essentially handled. So, to me, that's what I'm looking at with the Jazz. Like, who do they got after? I mean, they gave up George's yeah. Niang. Remember, he was like, that was like a big hey. loss. Yeah, he's been good. He's, that was a big loss for them. Like, who who knew? So, I, didn't, I didn't realize that. So, Rudy Gay was, like, kind of considered the bigger offseason pickup and, like, this idea that they could, have, like, go small at times. But, like, small didn't work tonight. Rudy Gay looks a little stiff. He started the year injured. I mean, maybe he figures it out. But, like, that to them, to them that should be, like, their auto porter, right? Um, but he just hasn't been. Uh, Joe Ingles, you definitely there were some, like, you know how you're in these arenas and you kind of hear like what's the what's the opposing yeah. you know, what's like the storylines coming out of there. There's definitely you could feel like some building like is Joe Ingles declining buzz over there. You know, like cause he, yeah, just, he just this wasn't a one game thing. Yeah. yeah, and you know, do can they upgrade on him and use that salary slot to to upgrade at the deadline? To me, they're a team to watch because uh, they're aggressive right now um, in in that sense. And then Donovan Mitchell, I was talking to somebody. Uh, on press row, uh, he didn't look explosive at all. And I know he had a recent injury, missed a few games. Obviously, he had that ankle issue in the playoffs where he's limping around during that Clipper series, even though he was still scoring pretty well. But he just did not have that explosion, that burst to the rim. He missed a bunch of layups tonight. Um, for Utah to beat the Warriors, like they just need a more just dynamic Mitchell. And like the Warriors do have waves of defenders that'll make life tough on him. But that wasn't like prime Donovan Mitchell at all. Nah, nah, def- it definitely wasn't. Also, are they going to win quarters by 19 points normally? You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I think, yeah, I mean, Donovan Mitchell is way better than what he showed in this game. Miles better, and I don't think he'd be 4 for 19 in the playoffs. It's just, they just, man, he's got to sit down at some point. <laughs> I, I'm looking at their bench like, yo, they really don't have anything. Like what? What are what are they running out there? It felt like they used to be so deep. And keep in mind, like Royce O'Neal is one of yeah, Royce O'Neal is one of their players. Yeah, yeah. And he, yeah. like he's one of their players. And you know, he's a good defender. He's, if he, he he's not killing you offensively, so uh, I mean, yeah, I can see why they're really good, and I can see why they're not like tops in the West anymore. Why they've been essentially vaulted by Phoenix and the Warriors. Just because, like, number one, that that formula of you know how to be good teams, like, I don't I don't think they have the depth to last in a series, and they're a great three point shooting team, which is a killer in the regular season. They will torch you to death, uh, and but when they're not making threes, they they pretty much got nothing. They they've got to make threes. even 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 Donovan Mitchell has got to make threes, and he's taken like almost ten a game. And making like three, but he's he's got to get that because it just requires. Without it, he'd have to work too hard to get his twenty five points. <laughs> like they just don't have much else by way of like how to create offense, except for Mike Conley is having a career shooting three, and as a team, they will light you up. But if you can somehow cover the three, they really don't have a counter. Which in the playoffs here, in the regular season, they'll be fine. In a playoff series, that is just tough. And that's what I think the Warriors kind of showed tonight, that in a playoff series, 
they Utah would have a problem beating the Warriors. Yeah, I think a playoff series between these two would be fun. We can kind of wrap it here, but um, it was you know the the environment's good. You know the Warriors just like there's just something that 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 gets them even more like annoyed when they play in Utah, as you know. Man, um, hey, I respect I respect Utah Jazz fans. They were chanting uh, MVP for Steph, and then a bunch of people started booing. Like, don't let the Warriors walk in and just take over your stadium like that. Like, fight back. I respected yeah. that. Don't go out yeah. like that. The, yeah, and you just like could feel. I don't know. I it, the go bear was 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 you know yelling at refs tonight. Kerr got a technical. It would all get a weird one, but I don't know. I just I think a good six seven game series between these two that'd be that'd be high level entertainment. You know, in who May it feels like a, a better second chance. round series. Feels like who a second round a, series. Who stands a uh, better chance, Phoenix or? Utah against the Warriors. I think Phoenix is better, uh, you know, and I think it was shown they were basically the same teams last year in the playoffs, and Phoenix won the West and, like, disposed of the Clippers, and the Jazz lost to the Clippers. I think, like, to me, it was shown who's a better playoff team, so I believe in Phoenix more. I agree 1,000%. I didn't didn't see anything in the Jazz to make me believe in them more. And I don't know, man. They better be careful with Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. What's his contract well, situation? I don't know. I mean, isn't that like Dwayne Wade is here to ease all those tensions? Yeah. And, uh, I actually saw Zaire Wade was it was down in the uh, tunnel tonight. But, like a bunch of jazz family. It was it was, it was kind of a weird, very communal atmosphere in the uh, tunnel where the a bunch of Warriors were doing like post game workouts and like all the like jazz families were around like chatting with them, taking pictures, and Zaire Wade was down there. It was, Oh, this is interesting. So it was, this is a weird road trip, Marcus. This was the, the, the whole Denver situation. Two practices in Denver, no games. The, the team spent three days in Denver, essentially, and did not see the Nuggets. Just, you know, odd road trip. But Scratch that. Up. Donovan signed a – he already signed this huge deal, so he's good. There's still, like – you're not wrong in, like, the, the building, like, angst around that situation, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he could also, like, ask out. But. Yes, it's 2022. <laughs> and I can say that now. 2022, you like that? I I dropped that in. Uh, all right. Well, we'll talk it is. again. I forgot about that. Yeah, we'll talk. All right. I, I got a 49ers game to cover tomorrow, so I'm out. Jeez, you better get out <laughs> Trey Lance against the Houston Texans. That's going to be big. But. Change of guard, man. Here we go. TK is, right. TK is calling yeah. us to change it a guard, so I'm going to go see if he's right. All right. We're going to see. All right. Talk to you guys later.